everyone that I've met wants to make a difference. They just sometimes don't know how. So whether it's Sparkle or even you know through thrift and different ways, it's just creating an opportunity for people to do so. Um, the will is there, and there just isn't that many opportunities. So for us, it's been the most special moment for me to realise how wonderful people are and what people want to do and want to give, and especially young children. I'm inspired every day by some of our youngest volunteers who say, let's do this, what about this? And not only are they making me feel old, but they're also making me feel very privileged to be able to wake up every day, knowing that people out there want to make a difference. Hi, and welcome back to the Kelly Lumber Podcast. I'm your host, business mentor, personal brand and style expert on a personal mission to inspire a minimum of five people a day to take action, do something different and just show up as the best person that they aspire to be. And in today's episode, well, I definitely know that you are going to be one of the five because the two guests that we have, Sarah and Jen, are on a mission. There were so many times in this podcast that I was either crying, I had tears in my eyes on so many levels, just what the girls are doing on on both separate charities, but their focus and just how they're making a difference. Like It is so inspiring and you know, I, I just, there's so many things I want to do to help. And I'm going to ask you right now to do one of those things. And that is share this episode. Share this episode, screenshot it, share it on social, follow um, both the charities on social media and support them because it's going to make a huge difference. So we have Sarah and Jen. So they're different charities, but they're they're closely connected and they will explain that in this episode. But Sarah herself has had some really unique life experiences from being held at knife point to recovering from a coma after suffering a really severe brain injury. And it's given her an unwavering sort of determination to succeed and really do good. And after a passionate advocate for working in charities, you know, she's she's now one of the top seven CEOs in the UK charity sector. And she really is driving positive change at grassroots level to make a sustainable and significant impact on the world. And when you hear her story, you know, you're really going to, to connect and resonate with it. Then we have Jen. Jen is, um, has thrifting in her blood and she, she really passionately talks about this. She's also passionate about the environment as well as raising funds for children around the world. She started working for a charity back in 2013, sort of raising funds when she was in high school for various projects around the world. And more recently, she's launched Thrift for Good, which is the UAE's first wide-scale charity thrift shop, which currently all the profits are going towards the Sparkle Foundation, which is what Sarah's the founder of. So there's a really nice story, um, bringing them both together and hearing all about it. So let's crack on and get into this episode. It's a goodie. Welcome to the show, girls. It's great to have you, Sarah and Jennifer, or Jen. What are you known as? Jen, Jenny, Jennifer. Most people call me Jen. The answer to all of the above. But it's great to have you both. And it's really nice to do an interactive episode where we're looking at two angles of sort of uh, not-for-profit charity and just sort of what it takes to build and, and dedicate your time and energy to doing this. So who wants to kick off first with a little bit of a backstory about what it is they're doing? Because I gave just a little snippet in the intro. Sarah, do you want to go first? Sure, no problems. I uh, know. Thanks for having us. So uh, in an overview, uh, in a very one minute, I basically went to Malawi when I was 18 to volunteer. I quite literally closed my eyes and pointed on a map 
and my finger landed on Malawi. And after volunteering there for three months, unfortunately, from eating too much of the local food, I ended up with a twist in my bowel, um, which ended me being going to hospital uh, unconscious and was told they need to operate. But there was a 96% chance of HIV because they had no sterile equipment and only one doctor who'd never performed surgery before. So my friend was like, flip, what's the other choice? Okay, go to a private hospital two hours away. I did, thank goodness. I had the surgery, spent three and a half weeks there and he came to visit and said, Sarah, when we're at the local hospital, there may be 300 people waiting in the queue to see one doctor. And when they saw you, ultimately, because of the colour of your skin, they allowed you to be seen first. And you were the doctor for two and a half hours. And when you came out, some of the people in the queue, who were children, had died. And it was that moment that changed my entire life forever. And I thought, wow, I've got to do something now to make a difference to at least one child's life. And Sparkle Foundation was born. And that was some 10 years ago. And now, you know, we started with 50 children and eight volunteers. And today we're impacting 14,000 lives uh, with 200 volunteers around the world and 35 employees. So in a real journey, but we've now created sort of a grassroots charity model comprising of education, medical care, community programs and nutrition. And our plan is sort of to scale across Malawi and eventually into other countries in Africa. So that's it in sort of a two, three minute nutshell. <laughs> but there's a lot more to it than that. But as a summary, I can imagine, I don't know where to start <laughs> with that. Like there's just so many, like my mouth was just open going, my God, what a sobering thought at 18 years old, you know, to go, wow, that was the alternative. And then this is the result because of this. And it actually happens. And something so pivotal has turned into to, to what it is that you're doing. A million questions to come back to. So perhaps maybe, Jen, we'll come over to you. And then we'll go, how did you, you both know each other, which is a really nice story too. And then we'll get into some of the questions. So maybe tell everyone what you're up to at the moment. Absolutely. So my background is in charity fundraising. I started quite young, but nothing as dramatic as what Sarah's been through. Um, But luckily, I've had the right factors in my life to always be involved in charity fundraising, especially for kids around the world. Um, And in my last job with Golf for Good, which is a local nonprofit, we were really lucky that so many people wanted to offer support, donations of clothing and of their time. But Golf for Good, as you might know, they focus on hikes and treks and empowering life-changing experiences to get people to fundraise. Um, So at that time we said no, but we started these weekend flea markets to raise revenues. And that just kept escalating and growing into what we now have, which is Thrift for Good. And we have um, charity thrift stores here in Dubai. And essentially we take in pre-loved items and we rehome or recycle absolutely everything that comes through our doors. And of course we donate 100% of our profits to children's charity projects around the world. Um, And if I could jump into the question of how we know Sarah... Right now, Thrift for Good, we're fundraising for Sparkle Foundation on an amazing project that I think maybe Sarah should tell us a little bit more about. Perfect. Okay, that leads us beautifully into it. So maybe tell us a little bit more about that, that project that you're, you're, or you're mainly working towards just now. So yeah, no, thanks, Jen. So Go for Good, obviously, well established here in the region. And fortunately, I think actually five years ago now, I was introduced and trying to link sort of doing a hike or some form of expedition trip over to Malawi and actually what's ended up happening is in March this year uh, we're having sort of the first volunteer trip um, with Go For Good and I think we've got several people involved now that will be coming over and part of the money that Jen mentioned that's coming from Thrift and from other Go For Good fundraisers is to create a sparkle farm so at the moment we're feeding 300 children on a daily basis um, but 
with COVID, actually, the biggest impact in Malawi is not the virus itself. It's the impact from the loss of jobs and the loss of tourism in the country. So inflation has meant everything is doubled in price. So our food expenses are now higher than they've ever been before, and it's just increasing. So actually, by having a farm and being able to grow our own produce means that we can almost guarantee that our children will have those two stable meals a day that we're providing. So it's an amazing project. And not only is it the food will benefit, but also from an education perspective, farming is one of the biggest industries um, in Malawi and is a big source of income for most people. So we'll use it as an educational tool as well to train our ladies, our youth groups, and even our children as part of the curriculum so that they can also go on to sort of learn and hopefully be able to have their own businesses. So we're just really excited to get everyone over to Malawi. So how many are going on, on this sort of first expedition, I guess? So yeah, we're up to that was over to you. Yeah, from my understanding, we're up to 10 people now that are signed up, ready to go to Malawi at the end of March. But that uh, the registration button is still there, it's still open, so we hope for a few more. So explain to me what, what it would involve if someone's going to go and experience this for the first time. Because I think there's a lot of people, you know, listening that would be like, wow, I'd love to do something like that. But then for just whatever reason, actually don't get around to doing it or don't understand what's involved in it. So what, um, maybe if you can share what's involved in this whole trip, maybe just fill us in a little bit. So how we work at Sparkle, I mean, we've taken probably the best part of 300 volunteers now over the last five years from all different walks of life. Our youngest volunteer was four years old and they went as part of a family trip. And I think our eldest is 75. We're very specific that we're not sort of voluntourism. So this isn't the sort of trip you go to to take selfies or to, um, you know, just kind of show and tell and not really get stuck in because we work in the community. And you now I've been living in the community on and off for the last 10 years. So we want to make sure that any volunteers that go over there have actually got something they can add that the local people can't. So we'd never fly in like a team of builders to build something. We'd much rather invest in the local people to do something like that. So how it works from Sparkle's perspective is people send their CV. They give their proposed dates that they want to go to. And we ultimately look, and it's a bit like a matchmaking service, I suppose, that we go, okay, they've got a skill set that we need. And then we put together an itinerary, depending on the time that they've got, and then we match them with a project. And that could be anything from teaching in the classroom to doing HR training to Microsoft Word to football coaching uh, to farming, like helping with the farm to going into the community and doing cooking lessons. I mean, it's broad as it is long. And our mindset is that everyone has a skill. They just have to want to do that, take that chance to actually take themselves out of the comfort zone. Um, and I think most people are afraid, being completely honest with you, because we can't pull the wool over anyone's eyes. I think everyone that's been to Sparkle says that it's been a life-changing experience and there's nothing quite like going and seeing it with your own eyes. But equally, it's not, and it's not to put anyone off, but it's not something you take lightly. You know, you need to be really invested in wanting to do something like that. Travel, uh, it's not the easiest place to get to. You've got to go via either Ethiopia or Kenya. There's obviously certain vaccinations that you need to take, but it will change your life. And I think that's the main kind of part of it. Malawi is known as the warm heart of Africa. And for children, certainly families, we have a lot of interest that the Dubai bubble that we're also familiar with, but showing families what life is really like sort of out there and interacting with people and having that cultural understanding. Well, and what do people come for? Like a week? Is it five days? I say minimum a week to really be able to fully experience it. I mean, Malawi is one of the only places in Africa where you can basically go on safari 
at the weekend. It's only 20 minutes down the road from us. You can hike, climb Malangi, which is two hours away, which is one of the highest sort of peaks that we've got in sub-Saharan Africa. You can then go to the lake within two hours um, and be scuba diving or water skiing. So most countries in Africa, they're so fast that it takes hours to travel anywhere, whereas we're very fortunate in Malawi, you can actually go for a holiday, but also put the volunteering in at the same time. And I mean, I'm really trying to sell Malawi here, but it did get voted in the top 10 uh, <laughs> places in Lonely Planet to visit for 2022. So oh, uh, wow. That is a, that, I mean, I, I, and it's not somewhere I would have ever have thought going, oh yeah, let me book Malawi as a, as a holiday. Um, Jen? Yeah, and I just wanted to jump in that Gulf Frigate is organizing a trip that anyone can sign up for and they do a great job helping with the logistical details. So if you go onto Gulf Frigate's website, Malawi, a trip is planned from March 25th to April 1st. And as Sarah was mentioning, the first two days are to get some tourism in, to see the country. And then you have the opportunity, thank you, Sarah, to be able to volunteer with the kids, matching the skill sets. So that's, I'll be going to Malawi end of March as part of that trip. And it's very much open. So we hope people will consider joining us. Do you know what your skill set is matched with? Do you know, Jen, what you're going to be doing when you're in Malawi yet? I have no idea. I'll, I'll leave that one up to Sarah. I'm <laughs> available and happy help I love kids so hopefully hopefully I'll be able to offer something the whole idea of 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 starting something and and wanting to help can actually seem like quite an overwhelming you know process like how how, you know you you you're looking after 1400 kids you know you've you've got an organization where you're you're um contributing towards that Jen and I'd love to know from each of you sort of what's been one of your biggest challenges that you faced starting something that's not for profit and then maybe one of the best outcomes so we can we can get both end of the both end of the spectrum so Sarah do you want to kick off with that one how long have you got uh, challenges wow um the biggest one I think the I the biggest challenge for me was I went because you know I felt I owed the country my life and I set this up as wanting to make a difference to one child's life and I went very much when I was 21, built the nursery school with my Western views of thinking this is what I thought was best, walked away to live the rest of my life, went back a year later and everything had been taken, no roof, no toys, no children. And everyone was like, that's Africa, that's corruption. And I was like, actually, that's a 21-year-old who had no knowledge of the charity sector and went and built something they never asked for and didn't really understand. And I think that's been the biggest challenge for me now is being on this educational journey of trying to explain to donors, to volunteers, that this isn't about ticking a box or putting up a building with your name on it or saying, like, all about social media, look what we've done. This is about working with a community to help and understand and us being the resource rather than actually being the doers. And I think there's still a lot of sort of opinions around the charity sector and how we should be doing it and all these different things that come with it and that's definitely been the hardest thing that I've faced and one of the big things about Sparkle and our USP is that we've approached charity as a business like we run very sort of efficient systems we've mapped very similar principles Mm -hmm. and we're trying to change that mindset and that belief that an NGO is very much you know a charity how it is as a charity everything for free everything's resource because if you want to guarantee where your money is going you need to invest in the resource to be able to do that and that changing that mindset for people to understand because I mean I don't know how many meetings corporates go into 
And at the end of it, the number one question I get asked is, are you paid a salary? Yeah, and that's my number one thing that people ask me. And I'm like, wow, when you go and pitch for business, do people ask you if you're paid for a salary? No, I'm sure, you know, no one would ever dream of asking that. Um, and I'm very, very transparent about it. That, you know, if I'm being trusted with your money to make a difference to people's lives, then I also need to be able to sustain my own self to be able to do it to the best of my ability. And that's been the challenge of trying to get that side of things across to people. And it's still every day. So how do you do that then? Like, I mean, is it demonstrating the the value or what, what are some of the things that you can do that will change that? Because that's not just an overnight thing. No, I think we, you know, we created a very unique model of Sparkle that is very, very transparent. You know, if any charity tells you that they can guarantee 100% of their money is going directly to the cause unless they are transporting it with their hand and they're videoing it live to show you that, then, you know, I'd love to see it because I think I'm very true. You know, we've made lots of mistakes along the way and we've owned it and we've said, actually, this was our intention. And unfortunately, this has happened. And I think that has built a trust now with our donor network and our supporters that they know that we're very upfront and say how things are. I think also we changed our approach completely. I had a very bad head injury in 2017 that unfortunately left me in a coma and I was couldn't do anything for a year. I had to learn to walk, talk, everything again. And what we realized at that point, I was the bottleneck for the charity and it would have ultimately collapsed. So we reapproached it and basically profiled every possible thing that we would ever need as a charity and then went after businesses and said, okay, you do this service anyway. Why don't you donate it as part of your CSR initiative pro bono? It'll mm-hmm. cost you nothing. And that way we can also be more sustainable. And so now through doing that, people have had an insight into the charity and understand it. And as a result, we're slowly seeing this mindset change. And it's amazing. I feel very, very privileged to be a part of the journey that people are going, okay, yeah, actually this is starting to work and we can see our social return investment, you know, businesses around the world they measure their bottom line on money mine is measured on lives changed and as I said at the start you know we started with 50 children we're now at 14,000 so I want to be 100,000 uh, in the next five years so I'm just encouraging businesses to be part of that. So then just on that note then how can a business be part of it so we've got something like um, going and doing a trek with Gulf for Goods and and contributing in that perspective their time what are other ways of people listening here that they're like, okay, maybe maybe March or April doesn't work or, you know, that they're listening to this and that time's passed. What can they do? Um, so obviously, well, so not, let Jen come in on this from a terms, I'm sure volunteers for Thrift for Good is one way that people can definitely help. But um, certainly from Sparkle's perspective, we're fully aware that not everyone can go to Malawi and travel. So businesses, we look kind of at staff engagement and how we can get companies involved from Again, a skill set similar to how we match volunteers on the ground. We also match volunteers with our operations. So um, our youngest volunteer for the charity is four years old. She climbs mountains for girls' education. Our eldest is 83. He's in Saudi in a wheelchair knitting hats for our children in the winter. So we're big believers that everyone has a skill set. So we just encourage them to go to our website. Um, There's a volunteer form specifically for the UAE. And then I've got a team of volunteers basically matching people with the different requirements that we need. And then we've built basically bespoke CSR initiatives that work through different team days, getting people from running, doing stuff as a staff, um, and then volunteering hours, and then kind of fundraising for different projects. So we create these tailor-made programs. And just in terms of the business side, obviously the UAE is just announcing 
a new rule that all companies across the UAE have to do a CSR initiative. Um, so it's now right time, right place uh, for charities like Go for Good and for Sparkle to be able to sort of capitalise on that and basically bring the corporate sector and the charity sector together now because for too long they've been working in isolation. So we hope we can bridge that gap. Jane, over to you. Yeah, and just from the Thrift for Good perspective, so again, 100% of our, our, our profits, whatever's over our expenses, we're giving to Sparkle. So if people contribute to us, they're, they're giving to Sparkle as well. So for us, that means clear out your closet, have some fun, any clothes you're not wearing, please, please give them to us. And that can be any condition. So whether it's the perfect quality stuff we showcase on our website and in our stores, or the less than perfect that we can sell at flea market, even the end of life stuff we're selling to recycle. So every single piece of textile is worthwhile. And obviously volunteering your time. We're also a volunteer run organization. So like Sarah says, anybody from any walk of life can come in, help us start clothing, help us man those stands to sell the clothing, or just get involved in any way, whether it's finances, marketing, you name it. We need every single skill set to be able to keep doing the work that we're doing. So yeah, and we're based here locally in Dubai. So it's another alternative if people can't make it to Malawi. Or so companies, for example, one thing that we do a lot is corporate clothing drives. And we're really lucky that we're able to give an impact certificate against that, just estimating how much we'll be able to raise and the impact that it'll have. Yeah, so there's, there's many, many things people can do. Even if you have an hour, come join us on a weekend because that is, it'll make a big difference. What's been one of the biggest challenges you've had in sort of setting up Thrift for Good then? Yeah, so it's odd that thrift stores don't really exist here. The charity thrift stores don't really exist here. So we've had to combat quite a few stigmas around secondhand, educating people about the environment, educating people about fast fashion, and that you don't have to buy new for it to be just as good, which has been really exciting in many, many ways. And I'd say the biggest challenge to date has been finding ways to recycle the end-of-life stuff, finding ways to turn the old into new and then make revenues out of it to be able to help people. But the upside, the amount of support, the community that's come forward to support this cause has just been absolutely inspiring, life-changing. Yeah, it's been a great journey. And luckily, challenges exist. We're finding ways to get around and to make it happen despite them. Sarah, what's been one of your sort of, I see, revelations or even just kind of the other end of challenges, I guess, in, in what you've done over the past 10 years? I think probably, probably in echoing what Jenna said, it's you know, restoring my faith in humanity. Um, I've been overwhelmed by how kind people have been and the sense of community. You know, I'm very fortunate position. I sit here having never asked anybody for money. People have just heard the story and then come forward and want to help. And I just, you know, at a time when COVID and everything was happening, we grew, we'd almost doubled in size and of volunteers that wanted to help and people that wanted to back us. And I think that's been the biggest sort of, you know, what I believe here, you know, we spent five years trying to register in Dubai. Uh, we finally just got the license a couple of months ago. Congratulations, because um, that would have been like a, a marathon in itself because of the, the red tape that goes with charity here. It's insane. Rejections, what lesson learned, never give up. <laughs> I'm living proof of that. Yeah, no, it has. It's been difficult, and but it's been so rewarding in the sense that I believe, certainly for the UAE, everyone that I've met wants to make a difference. They just sometimes don't know how. So, whether it's Sparkle or even you know, through thrift and different ways, it's just creating 
an opportunity for people to do so. Um, the will is there and there just isn't that many opportunities. So for us, it was, it's been the most special moment for me to realise how wonderful people are and what people want to do and want to give and especially young children. I'm inspired every day by some of our youngest volunteers who say, let's do this. What about this? And not only are they making me feel old, but they're also making me feel very privileged to be able to wake up every day knowing that people out there want to make a difference. And no boundaries, I guess, that whole thing when they're, they're little. It's like, well, no one says you can. It's, you know, well, I'm going to go and do this and, 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 see, and, and see what happens. So what, um, what would you say is one skill you really need that maybe differs from maybe a traditional business skill in what you're doing? You know, I, th- I think that's something that you maybe you've learned over the years or you've realized, you know what, I'm so glad that I'm able to do this. That maybe people wouldn't think about. Any thoughts? Jen, what do you think for you? I've never thought about that question. It's a really good question. I think, like, as Sarah said before, we do have to have our business hats on to make sure it's sustainable and it runs. And I think for me, the biggest thing is finding gaps and motivating people to fill them. Does that, I don't know if that makes sense. So I don't have a background in retail. I don't have a background in fashion. I don't have a background in clothing. My thing was always like talking to sponsors and talking to people to get them excited and motivated about a cause. So when we started to forget and we were opening a shop and another shop and an online store, there was a lot of skills to learn and to grow. I think what I've learned, the biggest strength is asking for help and getting the right people in the room. And then as a team, being able to do something really awesome together. I'd say, I don't know if I could put that on my CV, but... (laughs) I, I think I think it all makes sense. So I have I've got a question. I'm going to come back to you on that. Sarah, what about you? I think people laugh because and call me and say, you know, if you if you can make things happen, I can get people to do things that they never realised that they were going to do in the first place. Uh, certainly when it comes to charity, because you know. I've suddenly found myself talking to someone and then within a minute I've signed them up to doing this and they're off there and their family holiday they thought we're going is now going to Malawi and just, I don't know whether it... You turned from Maldives to Malawi. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So um, I think probably that is a skill that I don't know how it's happened, but I think probably due to exposure of meeting so many different people from so many different walks of life that actually probably what Jen said as well is that I don't know whether it's just within our nature, but we don't often want to ask. You feel almost guilty, say, asking someone for a favour or something. But I've had to very quickly realise I'm not asking this for me. I'm asking this to help a future generation of people that deserve a chance. So when you change that mindset, it suddenly becomes a lot easier. And it's definitely a skill that I feel grateful for, even though many people are like, oh, can you box it up and tell us how you do it? Well, I don't know. (laughs) I'm just grateful that it's happened. Well, and when it comes to your personal brand, that is your USP that has made sparkle the success that has been over the past sort of five is it five years but 10 years since you were there five years yeah I started when I was 18 I'm actually now 31 so yeah it's been (laughs) it's been quite a while I mean I've been to Malawi yeah I lived there for two years so I've sort of 33 visits now this will be my 34th coming in uh, in March so yeah it's been a, a huge chunk of my life and I suppose when you ask about the skill gap and you're maybe not to do my usual persuasive self, but take you as a prime example, you know, even coming on this podcast, like we look at now the generation of influencers and the impact that content creators can have. And as a charity, certainly with COVID, everything going online and becoming digital, you suddenly get lost in a big sea of voices. So being able to find individuals like yourself or, you know, other 
big names that are here in the UAE that can help spread that story and share that message. It's invaluable to us because it, we need people. We need a building army of change makers. So, yeah, no pressure, but, you know. <laughs> army of change makers. I really like that. Well, that actually kind of brings me onto something that we didn't discuss at all. And I don't know how it's going to pan out. But if I was to say to you both sitting here and um, ask you that question, how can I help or how can I utilize my resources? So we've got one, we've got this podcast that's going out and I can share that on social media and get other people to share it and stuff. That's one thing. Um, What else, if we were to brainstorm, could we do just in the next minute or two um, that could think about what, you know, what kind of, you know, I've got the fashion background. So what kind of initiative or something that I could do that you could think of the top of your head? that could work to generate more awareness, to get more sales, to contribute more towards Sparkle. And then Sarah, maybe have a little think about, I don't know, just while we're we're brainstorming here, what could I do in addition to what we're doing here now? And aside getting on a plane, which I think the concept of getting on a plane in March, I would love to, but it might need to be the next trip that we're doing. But I don't know, tell me what, what are some of the things you think we could do or how could I help? So if I can jump in, I mean, the list is as long as my arm. And first to start out by saying, Kelly, you've already helped us with your influencer collection that you kindly donated and the photos you gave us to help us sell those clothes. And I mean, just sharing with your audience, telling people, you know, we're still fairly new as Thrift for Good. Not enough people know we exist. So getting the word out there, it's so important. Even just passing by the store and sharing a story, so, so valuable. And of course, telling your friends, helping us connect with more influencers. Given your fashion background, if you ever have free time, you know I'd pull you in in a heartbeat to style a shoot, to, uh, gosh, yeah, well, even help us select your online clothes. I could go on. I could go well, on. Okay. I could have you. Let's, let's <laughs> commit. When we're, when we're offline, we'll, we'll put a date in and we'll do, a, we'll do a shoot. So if there's pieces that you've got, let's see how we can do something and and knowing where the end result is going it's all just part of that journey as well and we can document it and do behind the scenes and do a little video so 100% let's commit to that ideally before you travel in in March was that enough time for you yeah yeah definitely done done action I like taking action so (laughs) didn't know that this was going to happen what about you Sarah well it's literally similar to Jen how long have you got from a list perspective I mean to be honest, people's contacts is the most valuable thing to us because even if you don't have the answer, you'll have someone within your address book that does. But in terms of you as an individual, again, I don't know how many thousands and thousands of followers that don't even know about Sparkle. So the best thing for us would be putting something out on your socials and even just giving us a follow because it takes three seconds for someone less than followers and you never know within your network there could be someone that sees something and goes, oh, that's interesting. And seen as majority of our business is based on word of mouth and personal referrals that would be Mm -hmm. the most valuable thing to us um and ultimately because you've got yourself you know a really good reputation here that if you're saying i've spoke to the charity i you know i know that it's legitimate and how things are people trust you and then as a result who knows they might want to get involved as well so that would be the hope obviously i'd love you to come to malawi march (laughs) it's probably all a bit too close for a lot of people but I'm there the whole time Um, and also there's lots of initiatives going on here within the UAE that even you just coming to one of our events um, would be great okay Um, so so we've got our first ball October the 1st so maybe you can come to our first gala dinner we've got a ball on the 1st of October correct 
Awesome. So do you know the details of where that's happening and what's going on there? Um, we are currently looking for venues for <laughs> every single thing. I mean, I am not an events organiser, so if you've got anyone within your network that would like to be a volunteer events coordinator, that would definitely be a help. We've got an events agency that have said they'll support us, but we do need someone to sort of call the shots at the top because I'm obviously based between three countries, so it's not particularly practical. But yeah, we're open to suggestions, but we want to sort of create something a bit different that gives people really an experience of Africa. That's what we're going for. And hopefully going down the sort of virtual reality, taking transporting people to Malawi uh, through technology so they can really experience and see what it's like. That's where we're going with it to do something a bit different. But OK, uh, so I think that's great. There is enough lead time on that. Already three names came to me that I'm thinking, right, I could okay. put you in touch with this person, this person, this person for that. And um, where where can so two questions? Social media handles share both of them so people know. And then I guess events that you've got going on, where can people find those? So let's do the the sort of the contacts if people are driving, they can remember. So maybe share your social media handles and then where they can find the next event. Sure, no problem at all. That's, I mean, we're posting live every day from Malawi. So if anyone wants to see sort of what's happening on the ground. Our team are doing that. So they run all of our socials on the ground. And then certainly in the UAE, we're now looking for supporters, sort of social people, probably sort of internships of students to be able to help us show what we're doing here in Dubai. What's the handle, Sparkle? uh, We were slightly varied. Uh, We've got for Instagram, we're at the Sparkle Foundation, the dot sparkle dot foundation. At the time of setting up Sparkle, I had no idea that it was such a popular name. but. Here we are anyway, 10 years later. And then for everything else, it's at Sparkle Malawi. Why the name Sparkle, just out of interest? (laughs) So uh, I was one of the first IVF babies. I've got um, two older brothers that are seven and eight years older than me. And unfortunately, my mum had six children in between that were all uh, stillborn or miscarriages. Uh, So I was the last of the IVF to be born. And when I was born, apparently when the midwife was weighing me, I had some strange spasm and sat up in the scales and the midwife started shouting saying oh it's because I got engaged last night and I've got a big sparkly diamond on my ring on my finger and so they said this child obviously likes things that sparkle so if she ever has a baby tell her she needs to call it sparkle I've not had a baby yet but I have had the charity but so. and, and that is one one very big baby that keeps growing and <laughs> exactly Many babies. Um, yeah, exactly. So we've got um, the, the social media handles there and, and events. Like what's the what's the website? If, if, is there events listed there that people can join? Yes. I mean, because we've truthfully just newly registered, uh, we're still trying to find our feet. Uh, we launched officially at Expo on March the 1st. So it was still sort of very early days. And then I'll, we'll do one big event still, although I don't know how many people know about the licensing. You've got to apply for fundraising licenses even though you're registered here still as a charity. So it's not as straightforward. So for us, we're focusing all of our efforts sort of on the October the 1st gala dinner. And we may have a few small sort of pop-up activations along the way. But obviously with Ramadan coming up the summer, um, we just want to make sure that we're executing all of our efforts because we're still relatively small. Um, But you can find out all on our website. Perfect. Um, Jen, over to you. So the Fit for Good, what are the handles there that people can find out and events and I know where the stores are, but maybe share everyone where the, the store is. You can find us at Thrift for Good, all one word, on uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Um, and I think we have LinkedIn as well, Thrift for Good. 
Um, we're also our website, thriftforgood.org. And we have two stores at the moment. So one's on the Palm Jumeirah in the Golden Mile Galleria Strip, like right next to Nikhil Mall. Beautiful, beautiful location, great selection. And we just opened a second store a couple months back in Times Square Center, which is just obviously Shakeside Road, close to Almanara. And we're on the first floor. I didn't know about that one. Yeah, yeah, it's going great. It's a fantastic mall for its community initiatives and approach for sustainability. And they're so open to us having workshops and various events. And I think that uh, leads quite nicely into what we're doing next. We're holding a big sustainability market this Saturday, February 19th. Almost said January there. God, what month am I in? (laughs) So this Saturday, February 19th, we have 25 sustainable vendors coming to showcase what environmentally friendly options are out there for shopping alternatives. And we're just going to have a great big party, essentially. Uh, And and take a look at our website. We're currently coming up with a great list of, you know, how to turn your t-shirts into baskets and reg rugs, you know, how to get a second life out of your items and how to like simple hacks for being more environmentally friendly. So I'm really excited about that series we're about to launch soon. And we're at markets every single weekend. You'll find us uh, either at the flea markets, you'll find us with the vegan entrepreneurs at their expo market coming up at the end of March. We're doing art fusion at the beginning of March and, and various, various things like that. So yeah. Awesome. I love it. So I did ask you at the start of this, as we wrap up, do you have a question for each other? Which I thought instead of me asking the questions, is there something that you would like to ask each other that maybe you haven't done or that might share some value or insight into, and it can be completely fun, different. Who's got one? Well, a question that I ask really to anyone usually in job interviews, but it's always just an interesting one for me. But I'd be interested to know, Jen, seeing as we're in similar sort of space, but it's a bit random. But I say to people, like, what's the reason why you get out of bed every morning? Yeah, it's a great question. I get up to, people think I'm a bit of a workaholic when I say this, but I know my boyfriend would be silently nodding. (laughs) I get up to do this work. Like, I love my job so much. And Sarah, I know it's cheesy, but to hear the story of, you know, when we're, we're selling clothes all day, to be able to connect that to the cause, the reason why we're doing this, that's why I do it, you know? So yeah, thank you for giving me a reason to wake up. I love it. I've wanted to cry about three times on this podcast. I've never done one where I felt so, I don't know, emotional. And <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Okay. Other way around. Jen, do you have one for Sarah? So many questions. I'm going to ask you two. I'm going to ask you a cheeky question and a serious question. Yeah. Um, so cheeky question first. Do you have a favorite kid? Is there one that just like sparkles a little bit more than the other? That. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're not meant to have favorites, but uh, there's one child that is, yeah, I've known since was born, and it's a really tragic case. The sister's got um, cerebral palsy, and the mum abandoned them, so it's left with just the dad, and the dad's had to give up work. And the last three times I've been to Malawi, he begged me to bring her back with me to Dubai, which I got her to the airport in Malawi, and then they said that from an adoption perspective, I have to go back via the UK rather than back via Dubai because adoption in Dubai is quite tricky. So. She's very close to my heart. I'm currently sponsoring her in Malawi. I don't want to get upset on this podcast. Um, but yeah, it's she's, you know, when you see a child that you can like literally defines my question that I asked to you for the why, um, that's her. And I just really hope that we can give her a future that she deserves. And you'll get to meet her, Jen. So you'll know. I'm not going to say who it is. So then when you see her, I know you'll come to me when we're in Malawi and you'll say, that's the girl. 
Okay. I'm really looking forward. The hairs on my arm have just raised. I'm really looking forward to meeting her and all of the other lovely children, of course. Um, okay. Now, serious question. <laughs> Sarah, what are your values? What are your core values that drive you, that you bring to Sparkle? I think honesty is probably my number one thing like I'm first and foremost to say I am not an expert in anything I've not learned this job I have messed up so many times I've failed more times than I've ever succeeded but I always say it how it is and I think when we look at role models that are out there in the world today people often are afraid to say where they've gone wrong and that's something that I just want to say and be honest about because for the next generation we need to be teaching our kids or whoever it is that it's okay to fail and just get back up again. Um, so that's certainly one of them. And the second one is kindness. I think it's the most, and I hear it all the time, but I can't help but be cliche, but it's the most underrated um, value that anyone can have. You know, some of my biggest assets for charity are people that I've been on a bus with that I've just got chatting to or I've held a door open for or I've even stood in a lift with and say, oh, what do you do? And then as soon as I say, oh, I run a charity, oh, that's interesting. Um, it almost got to the point, I'm not joking, that I had to say to people, I hope this doesn't offend anyone, but I work in insurance because I couldn't go anywhere without anyone then wanted to know the full life story of how I set up Sparkle. And sometimes I wanted to go out for dinner and just enjoy my evening. Um, and insurance, no one ever asked me anything else other than that. Um, but yeah, no, I think kindness is definitely the biggest thing. I think you can't go wrong, can you? I think that was awesome. a perfect answer to end on. So I'm going to say thank you so much for not only your time today, but honestly, all the efforts that you're going into for everything above and beyond. Oh, I'm going to get all emotional now. For everything that you're doing for others out there, you know, I know those that are listening will be so grateful. And um, I wish you both every success with the next adventure. But more than that, the sustainable piece that can keep this going beyond, because that's what's important. Thanks so much, Kelly. And you're about to be a part of it, so don't worry. I love it. You've got you now. You've got your welling up, so you're in for the long haul. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Thanks so much, girls. And I will speak to you soon. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This is how more people can hear about the amazing stories and guests that we have on here. Even better, you can also share this on social media. Screenshot it and share it on your Instagram or on your Facebook or on your Twitter account. The more people that see these episodes, the more awareness it brings to small businesses and those that are trying to make an impact and difference. And if you want to know more about how you can develop your personal brand, then check out our new website brand new creators designed by our in-house team and we are in the business of helping you to increase your online visibility build industry authority lead change motivate and profit who doesn't want that i look forward to speaking to you soon until next time bye